The COVID-19 pandemic continues in our country, and WLWT has been there since the beginning to tell you what's happening, how we are fighting this, and when we could see the end. Today, it's a look behind the curtain of the reporters telling those stories. On TV, we only get a few minutes to share each story, but here we get to tell you all the details about stories that are important to Greater Cincinnati. I'm Stephen Albritton, and this is WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. Today on the pod, we're bringing you the storytellers themselves, the reporters who tell the stories of those who are being directly impacted by this deadly virus. WLWT News 5's Atlanta Batapaglia and Jatera McGee join me on the Beyond the Studio podcast on how they've had to adapt as journalists, how they continue to fight for facts, and what they're doing to keep their mental health strong as we continue to cover this deadly coronavirus pandemic. All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond the Studio podcast. We really do appreciate it. You guys are out running around doing stories in the midst of this, and I got you guys both to pause for a second just to talk about uh, your experience with COVID as reporters and uh, kind of going through these last 10 months. So, uh, Jatera, we'll start with you. You know, kind of give us, you know, pretty much what's it been like? You know, you're a reporter, a fairly young reporter to this. This is the first time any of us has gone through pandemic coverage. You know, kind of take us through when you wrap your head around the last 10 months, what's it been like? Yeah, I think very little about our jobs is the same. So much has changed, even down to, of course, the way that we're set up at the station um, with so many people working from home, which everyone in the journalism world thought would never happen. Um, so that's been different. It's been different how we're gathering news, doing a lot of virtual and Zoom interviews, which I never thought would be a thing. I'm even working from home a little bit, which I never thought would be a thing. So those are kind of the minor adjustments. But one of the things that's been more of a challenge is that in every story that we're doing, there's this element of needing to keep ourselves safe, the photographers and the people that we're interviewing. So there's just a little bit of an added level of stress of trying to meet our deadlines and get the story done and make sure it's accurate and all of those things that we normally would do but also making sure we're wearing our masks and keeping our distance and um, just all the extra steps that are going into it. It's definitely been a game changer. Mm -hmm. And and Helena, for you, you know, we're used to, you know, walking up to doors, meeting people, having that, you know, that, that journalism contact, you want to have that, you know, that personal connection to people you're interviewing. How have you had to change your style or change how you do things, change how you contact people over the last few months? Yeah, absolutely. That's been a lot different. Um, Right now we do um, socially distanced interviews. So uh, standing six feet apart with masks and that's a lot different. We're, you know, usually, you know, on the ground, uh, getting real close to people, getting up in the action. We really can't uh, do that as much anymore and be intimately involved in stories like we're used to. So that's a really big difference. Uh, we're also doing a lot of Zoom calls, so not really getting to meet people face-to-face, which I think is one of the great parts of the job. And one of the parts of the job that I love most is actually getting to meet people and being inside their homes and developing that um, in-person connection. I think that's a really powerful part of being a journalist. It's an honor to tell people stories. It's an honor to get to know them on that personal level. So having this, you know, more of that screen to screen contact rather than person to person is definitely different and a little bit more disappointing, but of course, um, health safety comes first and that's just an adjustment um, we've had to made and make in so many other industries having to make those same adjustments and I really do miss um, that uh, you know getting pe- to know people um, on that level of you know shaking their hand and uh, 
um, you know, little things like that uh, are missing now. So it's definitely been a change. Mm -hmm. And and for you both, you know, during this pandemic, you know, you guys both touched on it. Now we have to kind of keep our distance from things and from other people, but our job really doesn't allow us to just completely and totally disconnect that you guys have both been in situations where you've had to interview survivors or family members of people who unfortunately have passed. What's that been like for you guys on, on just your psyche, knowing how devastating this virus is, but you guys are still have to pursue these stories with these families or with people who are, you know, just getting you know out of the hospital. Jatera, we'll start with you. Well, and even the way that we pursue them is different. It's a challenge trying to connect with a family member of someone who lost a loved one in these really difficult emotional interviews when you're looking at them through a screen. Um, So that's been hard. I mean, even I've been known if it's a really emotional interview, I'll grab your hand, I'll give you a hug when it's over. I feel like you need it. And I feel like in those situations, a lot of time, that's what the person is looking for, just that human connection and understanding And it's difficult. I mean, I remember very early on sitting on a Zoom call with a few family members who um, their dad was, they knew, very close to dying. And really only being able to say, you know, I'm sorry, but not being able to be there with them in that moment was really difficult. And I think um, definitely weighs on you. Um, You know, you see the numbers on TV and you see the new statistics that come out with the different governors and you can kind of disconnect from the numbers, but when you're meeting those people and seeing their faces and pictures of their loved ones, that's really hard. And I think everyone this year has had, uh, has seen their fair share of devastation or just um, difficult situations. Even the people we interview who've lost their jobs or who are on the, on the cusp of losing their business. Um, that's been difficult too. And all of that weighs on you. You take that home a little bit. And Helena, I know uh, we featured one of your stories on our podcast uh, a couple episodes ago, and Jatera, one of yours was there as well. But uh, Helena, one of yours had to deal with um, a, a nursing home and you know people not being able to visit their loved ones. And you know we we try to separate ourselves as journalists from the story, but at the same time, you're still in it. You know what's it like to talk to the, those people knowing that they can't see their loved one? What was that? What was that moment like for you? Yeah, that was incredibly difficult uh, to hear. You know, she kind of outlined how her um, father was in a nursing home for a number of years and absolutely loved it. But when uh, Kentucky banned those visitations, his health declined uh, severely just all of a sudden. And she said, you know, he died because, you know, this was on his birth certificate, but I really think he died from loneliness. And that is just like heartbreaking to hear. And again, that's like via a Zoom interview. So that's extremely different as it is hearing that. And um, you just, I think a really powerful part of our job right now, though, is um, validating these voices and giving them a platform where they could be heard. The next day, she actually sent me a message just like thanking me um, because I think that the whole process of talking about this was therapeutic and um, it let the world know the kind of person her father was. And, you know, this is such a difficult time and it's so tragic and it's so hard to hear these stories, but I feel like what we can do is really uh, provide some comfort. And like I said, a platform that these people can express themselves. And I think that's some value that we can add during this time. And that helps me sleep a little better at night because I feel so bad um, for all of these people. And I just feel like, you know, I'm asking all of these uh, deep questions about tragedies, quite frankly, horrible things that they're going through. Um, But 
I feel like at the end of the day, they're really thankful for what we're trying to do and um, doing it in a fair, as fair of a way as possible and sensitive. And so, so yeah, it's been hard, but again, hearing those messages and knowing that we're trying to make sort of difference is helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and taking kind of a, a, a step back, you know, we, we've all mentioned we still have to go out and do these stories still while we do meet some people over Zoom, we still do meet a couple people, um, you know, in person, you know, what have your guys' families said to you guys about about your coverage and your work? Because, you know, a lot of people got to stay home, you know, for the during the initial lockdown, but we were all still coming to work. We were all still turning stories because as we, as we all know, and as our professors from journalism school all told us, you know, the news does not stop no matter what time of day it is. So, uh, you know, what have your families asked you? What have they, what have they said to you? What, what, what have been some interesting comments they've uh, said to you about, you know, trying to be a journalist and uh, keeping yourself safe during this pandemic? I think my mom's been the main one. Every time I get off the phone with her, because I spend half my time yelling at her for being around people and <laughs> just doing a lot of things. She's high risk. So we're always, you know, babysitting our, our mom and telling her, you shouldn't be doing that and you shouldn't be going around so-and-so or whatever the case may be. But just about every phone call we hang up with, she goes, okay, and you be careful out there. Stay aware. Be Pay attention to what's going on around you, which she always says, but now she's added, and make sure you're wearing a mask and don't stand close to people. (laughs) (laughs) So um, it's sweet, you know, seeing that family members care and that some of them, even though they're able to work from home right now, understand that a lot of the time we can't. Um, That's the nature of the job. And Helena, for you, I know you're in a unique situation, you know, with your family being from New York, you have a sister in college, you know, what's been those conversations like with your family over the last nine months with everything we've seen from college campuses to what's happened in, in the New York City to what you do? It's so crazy. It's all over the place. I think my dad especially is so stressed out. He has kids in all three states right now. So, you know, it's Ohio, New York, Miami. And um, yeah, keeping tabs on my sister and like, you know, her school shut down for a period of time and her having to come home. But New York was such a mess for so long. Um, My sister's my other sister's in New York now with my parents, but even she has to go into work and my parents obviously are older. So there's that, you know, she's very worried about coming home and possibly giving it to them. And of course there's me, I get these texts like, good story, but were you out, always the but, were you out doing this? Or, you know, are you sure this is a safe environment? You know, of course, parents. And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. So, <laughs> and it was funny. Um, I sent one of my pieces uh, to my uncle Jack and he even commented in the beginning of the pandemic, he was like, very good social distance. So I think everybody watches our stories too with a keen eye of like how we're handling it, you know, because we are talking to people and there are scenarios that we are in businesses and maybe in homes. And, you know, we have to handle these situations very carefully and really think them through. And um, we are doing the best we can. I know our families are not with us every day, but trust me, we're, we're doing, we're doing fine, or at least we're trying to. So. (laughs) Yeah. And that's all we can do is, you know, all of us do our best. Now, I think, you know, one thing people at home might question is how do we keep up with all this? You know, all of this started here in the U S back in March, we've seen, you go to the list, you've seen the numbers grow, you, you see the vaccine testing, then we saw a, a spike, then we saw shutdowns. You know, f- for you two, as journalists, for what we do, where we where 
pretty much have to stay on top of everything. What, what's your process to really keep up with everything and stay on top of everything so you guys can really bring that, uh, um, that great journalism to uh, the people of Greater Cincinnati? Go ahead, Jatera. I think my process went out the door in March. <laughs> I think, it, I mean, it just completely changed the game to the point where after a few weeks, I had to take a step back and just say, you know, I'm consuming way too much news. Um, yeah, I've got to stay on top of this for my job, but this is not healthy. Um, and, I, and I told someone really early on, what's so difficult about covering a pandemic and a couple of other events that have happened this year is that when you come home, we're used to coming home and the story's over. We come home and we're still living in the pandemic. I'm coming home and I'm still like, uh, can I run and grab that? I can't, that store is closed because they have COVID hours. Um, so that's one of the really challenging things too, is we're living this too. We're not just telling the story and then getting to go back to our regular lives. So I think one of the main things that I do is I watch the news on my off time, which some journalists will say, you're crazy for doing that. I just limit how often I do it. So if I'm not working, I can't go the whole day or the whole weekend without knowing what was going on. I usually on Sunday night, will catch up, read some of the headlines, make sure I've, I've followed the biggest stories. And then of course, when you're assigned something, if you haven't covered it before or haven't been paying attention, you've got to do some research and follow up before you get going on that story. Um, but it is hard not to get overwhelmed by all of it. I mean, we cover three states, which that in and of itself makes it so difficult covering Ohio, Kentucky, and Indiana when you've got different uh, health departments and governors saying different things and announcing these huge changes with restaurants or hospitals or whatever the case may be. So it's definitely easy to get overwhelmed. I think it's just taking it one day at a time and really just like self-care when you can. Mm-hmm. And then Helena, for you, what's this, uh, was there like a moment where you knew like, okay, I need to take time to myself over these last nine months or a moment where like, I need to change how I process these numbers and process my stories just because it's, it's a lot, it's a lot for all of us. That's a really good question. And I'm not sure I had that moment just because we're so like wired in what we do. It's just like, go, go, go. And I really do think that would be quite healthy to take a step back and, um, you know, kind of detach, but like, we really can't that much. You know, I say this to so many people, um, you know, we're on call all the time. Anything could happen at any moment. We can't totally unplug. So I've just kind of looked at it as this is our job. It's an honor that we get to do this and inform the public every night. Um, I consider it to be, and you know, and, and that's what it is. I mean, it, it can certainly get overwhelming. And not to mention, I'm not going to lie, like we were used to before the pandemic covering a wide variety of topics in the city. And does it get a little repetitive to keep covering COVID? But yes, but also there are new developments constantly. And these are important developments. So I'm not going to just sit back and say, oh, well, I'm sick of covering this. Like, this is information people need to know. And it's brand new almost every day and definitely every week we're seeing, you know, this new information come out and new numbers. So I kind of look at it like this is what I signed up for. I want to inform people. I want to give them this valuable information. And, you know, for as long as this lasts, that's what we have to do. Yeah, and you kind of led me right to my uh, my next question to kind of flip it on the other side. You know, we live in a media environment where we 
you know, I'll say it, we, we get called fake news sometimes, you know, and especially during this pandemic, you see, you know, certain sides throwing things back at us that um, they say we're not being truthful or over overthrowing it. Have you guys received any messages like that? And, and kind of what, what's your message, you know, to those people that, you know, kind of lets them know like, hey, this is what's happening. This is the truth. These <laughs> are the numbers. This is what we're trying to tell you to keep everybody safe. I definitely received some emails that for my personal well-being, I've had to just ignore. <laughs> um, I think we're at war. Like we we have a war right now on facts, and you know, there's a lot that we don't understand about the virus, and a lot that um, scientists and health officials are still trying to figure out. But there are some things that we know that are facts, and when we're putting the governor or these health officials on TV and giving their expertise with the understanding that, yeah, sure, everything that they say isn't 100% right. They're trying to figure it out too. This is new for everyone. Um, and there are some people saying, everything that you said in that report is wrong because masks don't work and this and that. Usually in those rants, there's very little facts. <laughs> so um, I don't know. It's hard when people are trying to dispute information that uh, the CDC local and state health officials are saying is true and don't bring the facts on the other side. Um, if people are disputing, you know, they don't agree with shutdowns or things like that, that's different. And as journalists, you know, our job is to criticize and critique um, if those things are working or not too. Um, but when it comes down to just trying to slow the spread, if you will, um, I've ignored a lot of those emails. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Helena, for you, you know, you know, Jatera touched on a lot of a lot of stuff there. You know, we we get the emails. You know, we we try to criticize both sides, whether that be the governor or whether that be restaurants who are not adhering to you know mandates. You know, we you know we try to fact check everybody. So, you know, for you in these last few months and your coverage, you know, what would be your message for the public and you know to let people know that you know these these are the facts. These are what you know, officials are saying, like the scientists, this is what they're saying. Well, exactly what you just said is what I'd like to tell people. <laughs> I am literally verbatim putting on what this person said. I am not saying it. The governor just said this. This doctor just said this. You know, Dr. Fauci, you know, it doesn't matter who it is. We, for a reason, put clips and specific sound bites of these people. And, you know, you can make the argument we pick and choose what we want to what we want to put and I'm sure people have that viewpoint but I, I can't speak for every news station I can't speak for the national news I can't even speak for other local news stations but I can speak for our station and we are very cognizant and we try our very best to okay what is the whole picture here and to get all of those sides in I mean we have editorial meetings where we discuss this and we make sure everybody's at the table and we're making sure we're hitting all of the points because a lot of people have a lot of different opinions and there are facts out there and we do try our very best in the limited time we have every day to give you the clearest picture of whatever what was announced and no matter what we say people are going to have their opinions on mm -hmm. but again i can only speak for us and i know you guys both know we have these discussions constantly we really do try to make an effort because we are aware of all of the opinions you know, like you said, we get them via email. Um, <laughs> and, you know, that's all in the back of our minds. And we're trying to frame a very objective story. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Helena, I will say too, I mean, one of the things that um, has been difficult about all of this, but that I feel like is making a difference is that when I get those messages from people saying, oh, you haven't covered this, or you, you guys aren't covering this thing, or why yes. aren't you looking into this? Um, and being able to just send them links, like, hey, actually we have, a lot of viewers I've seen have really appreciated that. I think, yeah. as Helena mentioned, there's so much changing so quickly. It is so hard as a news person to keep up, as a regular person who's working another job, I can't imagine how difficult it is to stay up to date and trying to watch the news. Even if you watch it every night, you're missing things that happen throughout the day. Um, I think that it's really easy for viewers right now to miss stories that we've done on certain topics that they're interested in or that they think that we're overlooking. Um, so anytime I get those tweets or whatever, I do make sure I'd you know, reply with links and show them like, we're trying to get it all out there, but there's a lot going on. Yeah, and public trust is key and making sure the viewers know that we are doing our best to cover all angles um, is so, so important. So uh, to kind of wrap things up, you know, we, we touched on it a little bit earlier about how, you know, rough the last 10 months um, has been as far as, you know, everybody, you know, nobody's been untouched by this pandemic. But for you both, and Jeter, I'll start with you again. You know, what's one thing that you've done in the last last nine months, 10 months, that's kind of taking your mind away from the pandemic, you know, that moment of self-care um, that's really, you know, put a smile on your face and just said, you know, everything, everything's going to be okay. Share it, share it with our listeners. So maybe they can, they can try it at some point as well. So this is outside of news. Out, outside of the station. What's one mm -hmm. thing you, you do, uh, you know, for lack of better words, keep your sanity. <laughs> um, my husband probably wouldn't appreciate this. But I've really enjoyed online shopping. <laughs> sometimes, same. Sometimes there's just something about spending some money on a nice item, even if it's candles. I love candles. Those help me relax so much. Um, and my husband's been working from home, so he's been burning a lot of my candles. So I think that's one of his self-care things, too. But, yeah, I really do like online shopping. Other than that... Um, I know we're all a little over Zoom, but Zoom with family members has been um, really nice. And honestly, early on, I was Zooming with a lot more people than I am now, but just catching up with friends and catching up with family members who you never really thought like, yeah, we have FaceTime, but we don't really utilize that for our friendship um, and just doing that because there was really nothing else to do. That was really nice too. Um, I think this year's really taught all of us that at the end of the day, all we have is each other. And it's just reinforced that month after month. Yeah, Elena, for you? A number of things. Um, number one, amazing coworkers because we spend the most time together. Jatera is my BFF. So, and so are you, Stephen, don't worry. But um, <laughs> I, mean, all, I feel like we're really like lucky to have a strong team, and a lot of us are really close. And so that's helped when we have to like be immersed in this comfort every day. I go to the gym and I lift weights and that helps tremendously. They go, no, you, you don't just lift weights. Tell them what you do. <laughs> I like clean and I'm getting into snatching and squatting. Love that. Yeah. So, all the, all the Olympic power lifts. It's yeah, great. <laughs> the, the gym I go to is amazing. So that helps. Like Jatera said, zooming with family members and reading reading has helped that like you know that takes you away from the phone and kind of the distractions of the world and um kind of helps you reset and focus and i also meditate 
also, fun fact about me that maybe you guys didn't know, I, I meditation helps a lot to like realign when I feel like I'm going to explode. So yes, that's <laughs> that's uh, what I do. <laughs> awesome. Helena Batapaglia, Jeteri McGee, thank you guys so much for uh, coming on the Beyond the Studio podcast. Two of our incredible reporters here at WLWT. Ladies, thank you so much. Thanks, Steven. Thanks for having us. If you like this podcast, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. This has been WLWT News 5 Beyond the Studio. I'm Stephen Albritton. Thanks for listening. Accuracy. It matters in everything you do. Your GPS needs to be accurate. Take a left on... Your taxes need to be accurate. And your dentist needs to be accurate. You choose accuracy every day. And for an accurate forecast, choose WLWT Weather. It's the only forecast in Cincinnati independently certified most accurate. Nine years in a row and counting. Accuracy does matter. Choose accuracy. Choose WLWT Weather.